Yeah, can we show some love for Evan and Stephanie? As I keep saying every week, it's a tough thing to tell your story, particularly when it's, you know, in a theater full of strangers. But I'm incredibly glad that they were willing to talk through the difficult seasons that they went through and kind of how God has brought them through. Um, One of the reasons that I really, really like their story is because I know all of it. You only got to hear a little tiny part of it, but I know all the ins and outs and lots more backstory. And it's incredible the way that God has shown up in this couple's life to give them something that they desperately needed, whether it was um, Stephanie's health scare, whether it was Evan's kind of difficult, intense relationship with his father, the thing that this couple really needed was peace. And, And their story illustrates the fact that God gives peace. He gives peace. Now, look, I'm guessing some of you guys would probably like a little more peace in your life. Anybody say, yeah, that's me. I want a little more peace, a little more calm. I'd like things to be a little more mellow. Absolutely. Well, let me put it this way. Does anybody disagree with that statement? Anybody saying to themselves, no, you know what? My life is too calm, actually. I'd like a little drama to kick off amongst my friends, please. That would be great. Doubtful. (laughs) Is anybody saying, you know, I hope when I get back home today, we find out that our furnace is broken. It's minus 30 outside. Wouldn't it be wonderful if we got home and had to deal with this big problem? No, nobody wants that. Why? Because everybody on the planet is in a search for more peace, not less peace. We all want less chaos and more calm in our life. That is like one of our major goals in the world. So when Evan and Stephanie share with us how God has given them peace, that doesn't even make sense according to their circumstances. That gives me a lot of encouragement, you guys, because I want more of that kind of peace in my life. And my guess is you want more of that peace as well. The good news is Jesus promised us that there is a peace that we can experience that is independent of our circumstances. No matter what we're going through, no matter what you're worried about, no matter what anxieties you might have, no matter what's gone wrong in your life, either today or over the last few days, Jesus promises there is a peace that you can have. And the cool thing about this peace is that it's different from the way that we typically think about peace. And we'll get into how it's different in just a moment. But it's a peace that will carry you through even the hardest days that you might experience. If you end up estranged from your family, or if you end up genuinely concerned about a major health issue, or if you've got financial burdens, or if you've got doubts about your faith, there is a peace that's available to you that will give you confidence. It will give you assurance. It will help you to overcome the anxiety and the worry that most of us experience. Nobody wants to wake up, roll out of bed, and the first thoughts that pop into their mind are like, oh my gosh, I'm so nervous about this, and I'm so worried about that and what's going to happen. Nobody wants to have those thoughts. And so when you operate with the peace of Christ, you'll get up out of bed every morning and you'll say, okay, I don't know how everything's going to work out, but I believe it's going to work out because God is for me, not against me. He's looking out for me. All right. So if you need that kind of peace, I'm telling you, you came to church on a good Sunday because that's what we're going to be talking about. As my wife mentioned, this is the final week of our series called This Is My Story. And in this series, what we've done is we have videotaped testimonies or stories from just average people in our congregation. You've heard from five or six of them over the last few weeks. And they've shared with you how faith 
has impacted and shaped and changed them. Many of the people that you've heard from, they never expected to become Christians. It wasn't like they were like, you know, I went on this long spiritual journey and I eventually came to, no, they were just living their life and through crazy circumstances, God intervened. That's precisely what happened with Evan and Stephanie. He intervened in miraculous ways in their life. So we're taking these modern stories and we're combining them with these ancient verses from a book in the Bible called 1 Peter. And as we've talked about over the last few weeks, 1 Peter is actually a letter that was written by one of Jesus' original 12 apostles, a guy named Peter. And about 30 years after the crucifixion, he writes a letter to a group of Christians that we now call the book of 1 Peter. When we combine these modern testimonies with these ancient verses, what we come up with is an answer to the question, why do people like Evan and Stephanie become Christians? Why would they choose to follow Jesus in the 21st century? Why would these people choose to follow Jesus in the first century? I mean, in our world today, let's be real here. Most of the world at best is apathetic towards religion, right? They're kind of like, I don't know if it's good for you. Okay, but I don't want any part of it. And at worst, we live in a society that can be outright hostile to religion. Some of you guys have made faith decisions and your family doesn't understand why these changes have occurred in your life. And some of your family has even pushed back a little. You know, they've given you a hard time because of the decisions you've made. So why in the world, in a, in a society in which people don't think religion has any value, would somebody like Evan or somebody like Stephanie or even somebody like me choose to be a follower of Jesus? And this morning, what I want you to realize is part of the answer to that question is because we have found in Jesus a peace that we could not find anywhere else. There is a peace that's available to us in Christ that we have not been able to find anywhere else. In fact, Peter talked about this peace when he closed out this book of 1 Peter, this letter that he wrote. In fact, I want to just read for you the last line in his letter. This is the way he closes out his uh, note to his friends in the first century. And so in 1 Peter chapter number 5, and we read here in verse number 14, His closing line is, peace be with all of you who are in Christ. His final words, the last thing he wants to leave these people with is a confidence and an assurance that there's peace in Jesus. Like this is the first century Christian version of peace out. That's what he does. He ends his letter by saying peace This is the, the message, the theme, the thing that he wants these people to remember. The thing when they put the letter away and they go back to the rest of their day, he wants them to be assured that there is a peace in Jesus that is bigger than any circumstances that they might be going through. Now, we've talked already this morning about how, man, we need more peace in 2019. I need more peace. You probably need more peace and calm in your life. But this was an especially important message for his original audience, the people to whom 1 Peter was originally written. Now, you might remember if you were here the very first week that there was a lot of stuff, bad stuff going on in the world when this letter was first written. We know that from secular history, not from the Bible, that at the time this book of the Bible was written, it's about AD 62 or 63, it's the Roman. Roman Empire, and there is a Roman emperor named Nero who has come to power. And we talked a few weeks ago about how Nero was a bad dude. He murdered three people in his family just because they disagreed with him, including his mother and a couple of his wives. Bad guy. 
And Nero, he had these grand plans. He wanted to establish himself as basically like the dictator of the entire earth. And so one of the ways he wanted to further his influence and reach was in the ancient city of Rome, he wanted to build a big palace in his own honor. And so he went to the Roman Senate and he said, hey, Roman Senate, I wanna build this big palace. What do you guys think? And they said, we don't have the money for that. No, thumbs down, we're not gonna give you approval. Nero got so mad, he decided to force their hand. So he lit his own city on fire because he thought, well, if I burn it to the ground, they have to let me rebuild and I can build my palace. And so that's what he did. But of course we know from history, the fire got out of hand. And in seven days, almost 70% of the city of Rome burned to the ground. It was not his finest moment, okay? And then it gets worse because he's very scared about the backlash in the world around him. He's afraid his constituents are gonna be angry at him. And so what he does is he decides to shift the blame from himself to this little group of people who were called Christians. And he said, you know, those Christians, they're a weird lot. They're a strange bunch and they don't like us. They don't worship the same gods. They don't follow the empire religion or the emperor himself. They tried to burn our city to the ground to overthrow us. And so this persecution broke out against the Christian church. These people, our brothers and sisters who were living in the first century were literally under threat of arrest and torture and execution. This is the point in history in which Christians were thrown to lions. This really happened And so Peter writes to a group of people who literally don't know if they're going to make it through their day. They don't know if at any point somebody's going to come in and separate their family and throw dad in jail and put mom in in the slave market. They have no idea how bad things could get for them. And to this group of people who were really afraid, very anxious, and they were going through stuff that honestly you and I will we'll probably never have to deal with. He says to them, peace to you, peace to everyone who is in Christ Jesus. Now these words, guys, they were very important for this first century audience because they needed more peace in their life. But There's another layer to this because in in fact, what Peter is doing here, what Peter is doing for his friends is the same thing that Jesus had done for him 30 years earlier. Peter left his friends with this confidence, this promise of peace in Jesus. And that's because in the final hours that Jesus spent on earth before he was crucified, he went to great lengths to assure Peter and the other disciples that there is a peace available to them. Let me show you what Jesus had to say on this subject of peace. John chapter number 14. Jesus speaking to his disciples says, I am leaving you with a gift. Jesus has a gift for me and for you. It is peace of mind and heart. Jesus says, it's my own peace. It's my peace that I am giving to you. This is a gift that the world cannot give. So do not be troubled and do not be afraid. Jesus kind of does something interesting here. It's subtle, but it's important. Jesus draws a distinction between the peace that he offers to us and the peace that most of us settle for. There is a heavenly peace, a peace of Christ, so to speak, and there is a worldly peace. And Jesus says these things are different. There is something that his peace offers us that our normal understanding of peace cannot. So most of us, let's just be real for a sec. Most of us assume, that peace is simply the absence of conflict, right? Like as long as we're not fighting with anybody else outside relationally, 
as long as we're not fighting any battles internally in our mind or with our health or anything like that, as long as there's you know, no conflict internally or externally, then we're experiencing peace, right? So we would say things like, well, I'm not at war, therefore I'm at peace. You moms might say, I don't know, it's a miracle. I have no idea how it happened, but all of the kids have gotten along today. They're playing so nicely. There's peace finally in our house. You may be battling anxiety. We have lots of people that struggle with this. And you may be thinking to yourself, man, this last week was so good. My anxiety was low. I felt great. And you think to yourself, I have just had peace in my mind and in my heart today. We typically think about peace only in terms of being an absence of conflict. And that's an okay way to think about it. But Jesus highlights the fact that there are some shortcomings with that understanding or definition of peace. Namely, that apart from Jesus, when we have just the worldly understanding or definition of what peace even means, then our peace is held hostage by our circumstances. Do you understand that? If peace is only the absence of conflict, it's only good circumstances, then when bad things happen in your life, then it is your peace being held hostage by your circumstances. Can we put that up there? Thanks. It's your peace being held hostage by your circumstances. So Jesus says, okay, it's nice when life is calm. It's great when things go well, when you're not struggling and stressed out about a lot of stuff. But how often does that really happen? How many days do you actually have each month or year in which you're like, yeah, I don't have anything to worry about, man. I'm just flowing with, going with the flow here. No problems at all. Very rarely, I'm thinking. And so Jesus says, I wanna give you something that's richer, something that's more robust, an understanding of peace that doesn't require your circumstances to be right. It only requires you to trust God in the middle of your circumstances. Look at what else Jesus said here, John 16. He's finishing up the same conversation that we began a moment ago. And he says, I have told you guys these things. Everything I've said to you, I've said so that in me, you will have peace. Then Jesus says something that most of us wish he wouldn't have said. I think some of us Christians go through and we kind of just scratch out that part of the verse in our Bible because we don't like it. But Jesus tells us straight up in this world, you will have trouble. He says at another point, don't be surprised when people hate you. They hated me first. If you love me and they hate me, there are gonna be people who dislike you as well. He says, but take heart for I have overcome the world. Listen, Jesus tells us that for as long as we're in the world, we will have trouble. And you've experienced this in your own life. Every single day, it's like there's a new threat. There's a new stress. There's a new person driving you bananas. There is always something that's weighing on your shoulders. For as long as you're in the world, you will have trouble. But Jesus says, for as long as you trust God, you can have peace. The interesting thing about what Jesus offers us and the way it's different from the way that we typically think about peace is that in order for me to have peace according to this worldly definition, life circumstances have to be calm. But according to Jesus, no matter what's going on in my life, no matter what I'm going through, I can still have a peace of, of mind and heart in the middle of very, very hard circumstances. So let me illustrate this for you. I want you to imagine that you go into work tomorrow morning, like you probably should go into work. I'm saying, imagine you go in. But when you go into work tomorrow, let's imagine 
that you're sitting in your office and your boss walks in, he knocks on the door, he steps in and says, hey, listen, I've got a bit of bad news for you. Uh, The higher ups are talking about another round of layoffs. And um, we don't know who's gonna be let go and who's not gonna be let go. But I do want you to know that your position is one of the ones that could be eliminated. And unfortunately, we're not gonna know for sure which jobs they're gonna keep and which ones they're gonna let go until the end of the month. But you've been such a good employee and I really don't want you to be surprised if we show up at the end of the month and they cut your job. So I'm just giving you a heads up. Okay, If you have the worldly definition of peace, all you can do for the next month is stress. All you can do is worry because your definition of peace is calm life circumstances, but that's not calm life circumstances. And so for a solid month, all you can do is worry and stress and fear and fret. And you can't experience peace until you get to the end of this situation. And then only if your boss comes back and says, hey, congratulations, you made the cut. They're going to keep you around for another year. This definition, this understanding of peace is not strong enough to see you through the hard days that you're going to go through. But the peace that Jesus offers us is quite different. So let's say you've got the peace of Christ that Peter wrote about here. Your boss comes into your office tomorrow and he says, hey, layoffs might be you, just trying to give you a heads up. You're gonna say to yourself, well, yeah, that's pretty scary. Um, I hope that everything works out here. I wanna keep my job. But you're also gonna remind yourself, you know, I remember reading something Jesus said in the book of Matthew. I remember Jesus saying that God cares for the birds of the air and the flowers of the field. And Jesus said, God loves me more than he loves the birds of the air and the flowers of the field. And so if I see that God takes care of all of these animals and he loves me more than them, I can trust that God is going to take care of me in this situation. So you still don't know whether or not you're going to keep your job. You still don't know if you're going to have to look for a a, a new place to work. But even in the middle of this very difficult circumstance, you can have the peace of Christ because the peace of Christ exists independently of your circumstances. Your peace is no longer held hostage by your circumstances. You say, no, this is mine. I'm going to hold on to it because I trust God. It doesn't matter whether you're going through a health scare, whether you're going through family drama, or you wake up in the morning and your car won't start, which is what happened to me today because I forgot to plug the stupid thing in. Anyway, it doesn't matter what you're going through. You will, you will attack whatever it is that's ahead of you saying, I believe that God's looking out for me. I'm not carrying this all by myself. We could, we could put it differently. We could summarize it by saying this. You will either be a victim of your circumstances or you will be a victor over your circumstances in Jesus. Those are your two options. Either you're at the mercy of whatever happens, or you understand that through Jesus, you can overcome because Christ himself has overcome the world. And so in Christ, you're an overcomer too. You're an overcomer. You are a conqueror. You're a victor. You're not a victim. In Jesus, you can trust that God is working out a plan for your life. Jesus, this peace that he offers us, this peace that Jesus gives, it may not immediately bring calm to your chaos, but it will always bring confidence to your chaos. Every single time you're worried, every single time you're struggling, if you will take the peace of Christ, you can have confidence. You can have assurance that even if life is so terribly crazy, you will be okay. You will make it through. 
Now, you might be thinking to yourself, okay, Dan, I like the sound of this. Yeah, that's good. That's good. But I'm still missing something here. I want that kind of peace, but I haven't experienced that kind of peace. So what do I do? How is it that I can have that kind of peace that Peter wrote about and Jesus promised and Evan and Stephanie have experienced? How do I have that? Well, let me point out something else that Peter said. One of the most famous verses in the entire Bible is right here in 1 Peter chapter number five. This is what Peter says. He says, so humble yourselves under the mighty power of God and at the right time, he will lift you up in honor. Then he says, cast all your worries and cares onto God for he cares for you. That verse is one of the most famous in the Bible. People use that thing all the time. Cast your cares on God because he cares for you. Listen, Peter's point, And the thing you need to understand if you want to experience this peace that Jesus is talking about is that you were not meant to carry your burdens. You were meant to cast your burdens onto God. This is the invitation that God gives us, that we would cast our burdens onto him instead of carrying them on our own shoulders. Look at at the verse again. We'll put it here on the screen for you. He says, cast your cares. Can we go to the next slide? He says, cast your cares, cast all your worries, everything you're stressed and anxious about, cast them on God because he cares for you. Again, if we're just gonna be honest this morning, we tend to to try to carry the weight all by ourselves. We, we feel like, okay, this is my burden. This is my responsibility. It's my issue. And so I'm not gonna talk about it with anybody. We often don't tell our friends. We sometimes don't even tell our spouse what's going on because we don't wanna burden them. We carry the weight of all of our worries and anxieties on our own shoulders. And it's no wonder then that we would feel bent under the weight of what we're carrying because we're carrying it all by ourselves and we were not meant to do that. We feel weak. I'm not sure I can keep going. I don't know how much longer God thinks I can keep this up because I don't think I'm gonna make it through the next day. We start to believe that our only options, the only thing that we can do to deal with the the stress and struggle that's going on around us is to either escape or to endure. That's it. We think that's, that, those are my only two options. Either I get away, I escape, I run away, or I pretend like it doesn't exist, or I just knuckle down and say, well, you know, this is the, the weight that God's put on me. I guess I need to stay faithful and keep moving. You know, like we think we can only escape or endure. And quite frankly, this is the point in which many of us turn to unhealthy coping strategies because we feel the weight of all of our anxiety. We feel the weight of all of our worry and pain. And we think either I have to escape or I have to just endure this terrible season. And so this is why people get addicted to pills. This is why people drink too much. This is why people become workaholics. This is why people become self-righteous Pharisees. They do it not because they're bad people, but because they don't know how else to deal with the stress that they're feeling day in and day out. Jesus says there is another way that you can cast your cares onto God. You do not have to carry them every single day all by yourself. When life goes upside down, when you get bad news and you're wondering, how am I supposed to handle this? You're not. You're meant to cast that burden onto God. So what does it mean to cast? Like that sounds really good. Sure, cast your burdens on God. But what does it mean to cast? That word cast, it literally means to throw. So I want you to imagine a fisherman with a net, a big cast net, and he throws it out there. 
right? He gets rid of that net, throws it away. In fact, the only other time that this word cast is used in the Bible is when Jesus is about to enter Jerusalem riding on a donkey. And the Bible tells us the disciples gather up what's essentially a first century saddle and they throw it on top of the donkey. They cast that weight onto the pack animal so that the animal is carrying the weight and not them. Now look, I'm not comparing God to Eeyore, the donkey here, okay? I wanna be really clear. This is kind of a weird analogy. And yet I think it's a very interesting picture that we are meant to cast, to throw our cares onto God instead of carrying them ourselves. So let me ask you this morning, what are you anxious about? What is, I want you to name it. I want you to... Let's, let's just put a name on it. You don't have to say it to your neighbor or anything, but in your own mind, can you just acknowledge what stress you're carrying around? What's the thing that's bothering you? What's the thing that you're nervous and worried about? And after you've named it, I want you to do this. This is gonna be a little silly. I'm gonna ask you to play along for just a moment. Bear with me, humor me. If you need to close your eyes doing this, that's okay. I want you to imagine whatever that thing is you just named as a huge heavy weight you're carrying around. It could be a backpack. You could be carrying it in your arms, whatever you want, it's your dream. So as you're carrying, you're imagining carrying this weight. And I want you to picture yourself barely able to keep going. Your arms are tired, your legs are shaking, and you're wondering to yourself, when am I ever gonna be able to put this burden down? And then what I want you to do is I want you to imagine yourself casting, throwing, tossing that burden onto God. Like literally picture yourself saying, God, I need you to carry this weight. You told me that I could cast all of my cares onto you. So that's what I'm doing right now. God, I'm giving it to you because I cannot carry it on my own any longer. Now, in two hours, when you leave the auditorium and you have lunch and you go back home and you start thinking about this worry again, it crops back up in your mind. Cause I don't know if your brain is like my brain, but I can do an exercise like this. And then my brain is like, no, 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 no. We're not done with that. Let's bring it back. Let's think about that a little bit more. When your brain wants to think about it some more, I want you to trick your brain. I want you to say, no, 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 brain. I gave that to God. That is not my burden to carry anymore. I'm not taking it back. I'm not carrying it on my shoulders as if it's only my responsibility. It's not anymore. I cast it onto God because he promised if I did that, he would show his care for me by giving peace. Then if tonight your brain is like, you can't shut me off that easy and it keeps going and you're still worried and you're still thinking and you're still fretting about it. Then I want you to imagine yourself going back to God and saying, God, thank you for carrying my burden for a little while today, but I'd like it back, please. Can I take it from you, God, and carry it all again on my shoulders? Because that's what you're doing. Every time you allow yourself to fret and fear and worry and carry around anxiety, what you're essentially saying to God is, God, I want to carry the weight and responsibility of this myself. But Jesus offers us another way. He says, we can cast our cares on God. And here's the great thing. When we cast our cares on God, Jesus casts his peace on us. It's an exchange. It is a promise. He said it will happen. And I have found Jesus to be right and true in every single thing he says. Now, if we were to just say amen and quit right here, that would be good enough, I promise you. But we're gonna go one level further, just a couple minutes more. Because this peace that Jesus offers us it not only allows us or it not merely allows us to escape or to endure, 
But this peace that Jesus offers us, it empowers us to overcome. So this peace that God gives us, it's not just so that like we can huddle down and say, okay, life is crazy, but you know, I'm just gonna close my eyes and, and hope that Jesus is gonna see me through. I don't know how, I... no. Jesus gives us his peace so that we can continue to move forward. We can fulfill the mission that he's given us. Jesus said, I have overcome the world. The book of Romans tells us that we are more than conquerors through Christ who loved us and gave himself for us. Did you know that? Did you know the book of Romans tells us if God is for us, who could possibly stand against us? Do you know at one point Jesus said, if you truly trust in me, you could look at that mountain and say, be lift up and cast into the sea and it would happen. Why? Because you are not a victim of your circumstances. You are a victor through Christ. He's an overcomer and so are you. And so this peace, it motivates you to keep moving forward. It says, I'm going on the offensive. I'm gonna keep taking steps. I'm not gonna give up ground in my life to the enemy. I'm gonna keep taking ground. I refuse to get sidelined and I refuse to allow my, my circumstances to be held hostage or my peace to be held hostage by my circumstances. My days, my best days are still ahead. All right. Let me read you just this last little couple of verses and I'm done. Peter says, stay alert, stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. I know there are some of you that are here this morning and you're skeptical and you're like, for real, the devil, like pitchfork and horns and all that stuff. Is this for real? I'm not asking you to believe literally in this. I mean, I take this very seriously and many people in this theater do, but we can all agree there are forces in the world that seem to be bent on our destruction. There are forces in the world that seem to want to promote evil instead of good. Whatever you might call those forces, I don't think any of us can deny they exist. Now, I want you to pay attention to what Peter says. He doesn't say, pray that you never come into contact with those forces. And he doesn't say, pray you can escape or pray you can merely endure. Instead, he says, stand firm against your great enemy. Stand firm. You can, you can straighten your spine and you can withstand any single attack that might come your way because you are an overcomer through Christ. He says, you will be made strong by your faith. He goes on to say in this passage, remember that your family of believers all over the world is going through the same kind of suffering you are. In his kindness, God called you to share in his eternal glory by means of Christ Jesus. So after you have suffered for a little while, guys, I cannot say this enough. I say it once a month at least. You will have trouble in this world. If you think that God's promise to you is he's gonna rescue you from every hard day, you are mistaken. But after you've suffered for a little while, he, God, will restore, support, strengthen you. He will place you on a firm foundation. And then Paul can't contain himself. He says, all power to him. Amen. Listen, we have a confidence, this peace from Jesus. It gives us a confidence that even though we don't see how all of this is going to play out, God is working out a good and perfect plan in our lives. Everything you go through, the health scare that Stephanie experienced, it was so that God could get her attention 
and draw her back to himself. The friction that Evan experienced with his dad, it was so that there could be this amazing reunion in Jesus 30 years later. God is working out a plan. So let me ask you a different version of the same question I asked you earlier, not what are you worried about? What are you worried about? What are you worried about? I'm gonna give you a peace declaration and I'm done. This is it, last slide. I want you to say this. I want you to take a picture of it. I want you to write it down. I want you to keep this with you. I want you to say it every single day if you need to. I refuse to worry about something God already has worked out. I refuse, I'm not gonna do it. Yes, my boss might come in tomorrow and say, hey, layoffs are happening and you might get cut, but God already knows what's gonna happen. And worrying about it is not gonna fix the problem at all. I refuse to worry about something that God already has worked out because I have the peace of Christ in my heart. My peace is not defined by my circumstances. It is defined by my savior. If you can believe that, if you can put that into practice, promise you, you will say over and again to yourself, what am I anxious about? What am I worried about? God's got me, God's got this. Jesus, I pray for everybody in the theater that they would be confident and assured of your love and your good plans in their life. That God, if you could bring our first century brothers and sisters through the difficulty that they went through, God, you can help me to deal with the small setbacks I have each and every day. And Father, when big setbacks come, I pray that I would not fall into the trap of believing that you've forgotten about me or you're punishing me, but instead, God, I would understand you're working out a plan and I don't have to worry. I can have the peace of Christ regardless of what I'm going through. Help me to experience that every single day. I ask it in your name, amen. 